The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace, you can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi everyone. This is Gwendolyn and I'm live. I'm alive. I'm alive. It's so good to be talking to you about the visual workplace in person. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. I've been traveling a lot. The visual workplace. In every show, we look at some aspect of that, of the visual workplace, some aspect of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices, through systems of visual devices, how to install the language of our current level of operation of operational excellence, even though we may not quite be as excellent as we wish we were or as we will be later on. But whatever that current level is, we install it through devices. They become the tangible baseline. When we make our current level of operations, our approach to performance, our approach to outcomes, concrete and specific through visual devices and systems of devices, we can literally see the specifications of those operations. We see them functioning or not. We see them functioning or not functioning. We don't have to wait for a measure to tell us it's not functioning. And we see the supporting outcomes or not that we intended. And in a highly functioning visual workplace place, we see great quality, great safety, on-time delivery, least means cost, whether we work in a plant or a bank, open pit mine, high volume, low mix factory, low volume, high mix factory, doesn't matter, chemicals, food processing, wine, beer, met a brilliant man from Coors last week in Oklahoma, Noah, brilliant, and he's working in a brewery and you know, doing uh, amazing work, amazing, bright, bright mind. It's all the work. It's The thing is that all of the work has been made visual, and visuality is a mechanism that helps us make that work more precise, safer, flexible, reliable. We get the six rights. This is a little thing that I've concocted, the six rights. We get the right safety, the right product, the right process, the right time, the right cost, the right quality the right quality. Scania used to say that as Scania, a great uh, manufacturer <clears throat> based in Sweden. I was with their Dutch plant. Wonderful, fa- fabulous visual and lean plant. High levels of modularity in their design. And they expressed quality, their commitment to quality in this way. They said, 
right from me, right from me. And if you ask the uh, guys on the line or a manager, what does quality mean? They would say in wonderful English, wonderful accented as the Dutch English, right from me. I can't acquire that accent right from me, they would say in English with a lovely Dutch lilt to it because it was their commitment to quality. When it leaves my hands, it'll be right. Very nice way. Isn't that nice? Doesn't that make that real? The six rights. And the six rights become even righter when they're visual. Visual safety, visual product, visual process, visual time, visual cost, visual quality, right for me. The visual architecture is in place. And to that I say hooray. So this is what our show is about. Week after week after week, we're getting to our, today's the 140th show, which is really, really great. We're in, well into our third year, and I'm back from the field. I'm back from a week of, uh, two weeks actually, of traveling, and I'm back only for the next uh, three weeks, and I want to do as many live shows as possible. I'll be able to do one this week and next week. The following week, I'm doing our Portland seminar on Tuesday so I won't be, that'll have to be either an encore or maybe I can pre-record it. I want to thank you for your patience with me during this period. I love to travel. It's really exciting. It's really exciting to be working with the companies on the things that you and I have been talking about. I learned so much. And part of today's show is my sharing what I learned. Some of the points we've already gone over, but I've learned them in a new way and I want to share that. And some of them, a few, very few, will be new. Okay? So... Um, let's see, I also want to tell you that I'm pretty much traveling back and forth until the middle of August, but I have a few weeks home and I'm going to capitalize on them. And I want to also ask your forgiveness for the supervisor side of the visual leadership series. We were we had only one show to go the last time we had a live show. I had planned to do it today, but so much has happened on my recent trip that I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to share some of that with you while it's fresh and exciting in my brain. So don't worry, I will do the final supervisory show maybe next week. It's the second half of visual problem solving. Uh, I'll I'll do it as quickly as possible so that um, we can launch the executive side of visual leadership, which is connected but in its expression and tools and, uh, let's say, profile, remarkably different. Uh, I might wait until I get back in August to do that because it really needs, I really need to build that and I don't want a lot of interruptions. So we're trying to sort that out now. We're planning it through and thinking about what's going to be the best for you. So a few announcements. Oklahoma was great. 65 people came to the seminar. About We squeezed about 40 in on the second day when we did our visual site assessment uh, at Kim Ray, and I'll say more about that in a moment. We are having our triple header in Portland the first week in June, visual thinking seminar on Tuesday, June 3rd, visual leadership June 4th, and a visual site assessment of Benchmark, wonderful knife company, on day three. That'll be June 5. All the events will be held at Benchmade in uh, Benchmade Knife in Oregon City. And you can call our offices if you need more, 503-233-1784, 503-233-1784, or email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. There is still some room, radio at visualworkplace.com. Same with England. On June, I believe it's 14th, 15th, we'll be at Hotel Chocolat. And we will be doing a visual thinking followed by visual side assessment. The next week, we're doing visual leadership at the Royal Mail, kind of in the Nottingham area. 
And that'll be really interesting with the hands-on the second day. You can also contact our office or email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. You'll find, inf- we'll send you information. But all of this is on the homepage of our um, of our website, visualworkplace.com. You'll see it in the lower right. Okay? You'll also see our podcast links, our 140 podcasts, soon to be 140 podcasts. China is also on high go. We have two seminars. That is also announced on our website. And it's going to be really interesting. We've expanded our one-day seminar to two days because of the translation and because really so much of this is new in China that we will be doing a lot of groundwork. And we're really looking forward to the changes that will create in people's minds and hearts as they move through their own journey to operational excellence. Again, the links are on our homepage. And if we don't satisfy you with that information, give us a call and we will... um, turn over many, many rocks. So um, I want to also announce that somewhere in the next 10 days to two weeks, we're going to have our own page on Amazon. Some of you, many of you have noticed that my books are all over the place. They all look alike. What's the difference? All these different sellers. It's confusing. But we will have our own page. It will be a prime page. So you can get free shipping through Amazon. And We will also be connected to our Kindle options. Two of my books, soon to be three, are on Kindle. And thanks for your patience on that. We're just kind of waking up to the modern error, and uh, we are doing our best to catch up. So let's begin. I want to make more mention of my experience in Oklahoma because I understood so many things that I never really saw as completely before. So in this show, I'm going to be talking about quick changeover, but from a particular perspective that I gained in Oklahoma, very, very powerful. Secondly, I'm going to be talking about operational excellence and not standardizing visual or not standardizing it too soon. I've got some very specific things to say about that. And if we have time, I will move into quality and make a few more um, incendiary statements about uh, Six Sigma and why it is architecturally not capable of helping us with mistakes, with, with mistakes, defects caused by mistakes or misadjustments. If we have time. If not, I'll pick it up later. So, about Oklahoma. The people in Oklahoma, the ones that I met, and I met probably 200 people with all the people who helped me find my cell phone, which I lost twice in three days, and the people who got me to my hotel and were in the hotel and were in the factory and in the seminars, they have tremendous strength. Not just the rugged American part that gets things done, but strength and courtesy, Thanks, strength and helpfulness and strength in their faith. This is a regional characteristic and I've seen this very much in the South. The area and the South is deeply, deeply Christian and I value that and I experienced the benefit of it for yet another time when I was there last week. In fact, more vividly than ever. What a remarkable cultural benefit it is to have aligned values before people even go to work. They're aligned before they become employees. They are aligned when they go home. They are aligned in their faith. And this brings a really strong level of unity to their work in the world. 
and of course to their homes. The behaviors travel with them, reliably, predictably, smoothly, and with great heart. For the organization, for any organization that knows, first of all, for any organization on the first level, this is an awesome natural resource, a natural resonance. On the next level, this is a natural resonance that can be harnessed for the further good of the enterprise, the community, and the people who work there. This is what I saw. Unity. The same with management. A tremendous alignment. But here's the tricky part. And we're going to go into a break in a moment. I'll pick this up afterwards. When you have such strength, such willingness of heart and of mind in a workforce, you may forget to ask for more. You may forget to ask the workforce for contributions that to the humble day-to-day of our work can be very close to the par of their contributions to church, to their church, to their faith. This is simply an oversight. But we'll pick this up right after the break. Okay, I will. I know I left you at a, what do you call it? A cliffhanger. This is a cliffhanger. Whatever can she mean? <laughs> so I'll see you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host. And we are in the middle of our discussion about, 
it's actually going to be about quick changeover and harnessing people's love of desire for excellence. And I was making the point before the break that in my experience last week at Oklahoma City where we did a really wonderful visual thinking public seminar, I think the learning was good. It certainly was for me. We found that people were very, very committed already to making levels of excellence in their contributions to their church. They made it in their minds, in their hearts, to their faith. And what I noticed, I think, is that there's an opportunity in that area and with that kind of cultural construct, if you will, a construct of the heart, to use it more specifically for the benefit of the company so that the benefit so that the company can secure employment for people can be a contributing member of society can make contributions to the social good and certainly Kimray is a leader in this a leader they are philanthropic and you know what because they can be even though there's the habit of tithing, when you have a successful company, you can really make contributions that change the nature of the social good, and they look for many, many opportunities. They're quite, quite a remarkable plant. Okay? So, you have people who are working, who understand what it means to walk in faith. And what would it be like for the workplace to be a place of demonstration as well. Not just in the kindness that you show people, not just in your impeccable heart, but actually in your action. But here's the tricky part. This is what I have found, and I found this in India as well. I did not find it in Japan because they've already made this jump. The workforce will typically not reach for levels of excellence unless they're asked to, unless they are, in a way, led. Yours is a leadership model. This is not exactly management. There is a leadership model already in the hierarchy of the church. The hierarchy of command is part of a person's faith or part of a person, a person certainly doesn't need to be Christian, but can have any strong... I have lots of friends who are objectivists who follow uh, a thinker of about uh, 80 years ago named Ayn Rand. They're very, very committed. There's a hierarchy of command there in terms of they are following certain principles and they believe in them very deeply. I, I happen not to, but they do, and I see that demonstrated when I hang out with them. They kind of construct their world around that particular paradigm. Aligned human beings working together for a common goal. And that's a glory, whatever your construct is. But management in the workplace has to point the way. Otherwise, people are individually excellent, but that doesn't roll up into a common, a community good that you can measure and can actually uh, move things forward in the community and in the society. So let's look, for example as a practical example at machine setup almost everyone in business today has heard about and understands EOQ and the importance of not organizing your machine setup to support that 
not organizing it around economic order quantity, long run so that you can capitalize on the run because it takes you so darn long to change over. That is no longer disappeared 40 years ago with my sensei Shigeo Shingo. More about him in a moment. And it is the wrong way to try to um, minimize the uh, or maximize the machine machine availability or machine output. So we understand that for the most part. If you don't understand it, read Shingo's book, Manufacture, SMED, uh, A Revolution in Manufacturing. It's a great book and it will change your business entirely. But let's just say you understand it. We understand why quick changeover, SMED, is important, but we understand because we understand it only, we have a kind of lukewarm awareness of it. And that is just how the workforce, the machinists, and operators will tackle quick changeover. If your awareness doesn't change so that their awareness can change, it'll be kind of a lukewarm enthusiasm. But that will not make one bit of difference to your business case, to your capability, to your OEE, overall equipment effectiveness. It, it, you will be disappointed. You will say, hey, this is supposed to be the cat and the meow. But it's nothing. It's just like we're pushing things around. We're rearranging the furniture. This is not a revolution. It is like faith itself. The Bible tells us to be nice to our neighbors, to be kind-hearted, to follow the teachings. Some people do it that way, but you can't really call that glorious. It's not enough to recognize goodness and compassion as a good thing. It has to work on a very deep transformational level. You have to love it and eat it and practice it and practice it and practice it and enjoy it and teach others and let it stretch you in ways that are hard at first but are always rewarding. Same thing with quick changeover. I'm really making the, the connection here. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about this and I want to encourage you wherever you are in the country or the world to take quick changeover seriously and to let it become a glory in your operational system on your road to operational excellence. So I'm going to name some simple and I think very powerful ways for managers to help the company switch from simple interest and awareness of quick changeover and its promise to a raging commitment, a driving force in building capability, liberating capacity, and changing the big business model for the better for the enterprise and for society. So it's just stop about stop thinking about buying a new building. Do not expand your external footprint. You have plenty of room inside and it is waiting for your commitment for your hard work. And that room can be found a 40 50, 80% liberation of space, liberation of capability by driving the paradigm of quick changeover, by driving a different committed paradigm of thinking and and the committed action that comes out of it. So choose the machine, any machine, seven station transfer press, a CNC machine center with seven new tools at every changeover, find a machine and commit to that machine as your learning place. Follow the standard known changeover methodology. This has been around since Shigeo Shingo discovered it in the 1960s and was brought over here by my boss, Norman Bodak, in the 1980s. 
He sold that book in 1984, Smed a Revolution in Manufacturing, for $125 in 1984, and it sold and sold and sold and sold and sold. He made millions. And no one complained about it because it was the secret to the Death Star. It was the blueprint. But what you don't know is that it, you may not know, some of you read the book, the preface, read, read Shingo's preface, that it took Shingo, this warrior, three years simply to see the difference between internal and external setup. And he only did it because he was commanded to by Taichi Ono. Taichi Ono harnessed the power of thought and determination. He saw it in Shingo and he said, Shingo-san, I want you to reduce this three-day changeover to one day. It took Shingo a year. He sat there for a year to try to figure out what were the elements of that. No one ever looked at changeover as anything but a burden driven by economic order, quantity. But because he had pledged his allegiance to the company and to his boss, Ono, because he was in faith, He didn't waver. He simply obeyed. He pulled his full resources to the task. And for him, completely invisible. They were unknown, undiscovered. This was primary research. Just like looking for the genome. What's going on here? What is the difference? What do I see? What does it mean? What am I seeing? What does it mean? And then he found. He saw the difference between internal and external activities in the changeover that was the first breakthrough and that was and he worked on the externals and all the stuff that happens when the machine is still running and he got that changeover down to one day and he went to tell the king he went back to Ono and he said job done and according to Shingo I was his uh, student for eight or nine years according to Shingo he said Ono didn't even say thank you he just kind of grunted And the next words out of his mouth were, now do it in an hour. Now do it in an hour. Just do it in an hour. Ono knew Shingo had capacity. We know people have the power within them, the power of their hearts, the power of their minds, the power of their intellect, the power of thinking and learning to think. And Shingo didn't, you know, he was... Ono was not a nice person. If you ever met him, you would say he was a, you'd use a bad word. He was very demanding. He he let in a way that was pretty brutal. But you know, these were desperate times. And anyway, I think, frankly, that he enjoyed it. Shingo picked up many of those characteristics, as you know. (sighs) So, Shingo... So Taichi didn't say, now bring all our machines from three days to one day. He said, now change that machine over in one day. And then he said, now change that machine over to one hour. And and I want you to get this. You have to pick a machine and that has to be your learning machine. Yeah, you can run a CNC and have one group working on a CNC and another one on a stamping machine, another one on grinding or whatever. 
but you stay with the same machine because what you're doing is you're using that machine as your laboratory. It is the bottom of the microscope. It's that postage stamp size bottom of the microscope and you are looking at it. You live it, breathe it, you get to know it intimately. You respect the machine and you make it speak. You make it speak. And of course, visuality is used for all the externals and visuality is used for the internals as well. All of those principles are visual principles. Shingo goes back to the same machine. He doesn't lose focus. This is the leadership of Ono. Go back to the machine. Make it in an hour. And he worked it and he worked it and he worked it. He started to work on the internals. He worked it. He worked it. He got it down to an hour. He came back in a year and he said, I did it. One hour changeover. Shingo had learned to streamline the internals. Well, Ono must have cracked a smile, but he didn't hold the smile because the next thing he said almost drove Shingo out of the company. Ono gives a happy little grunt and says to Shingo, now do it in less than 10 minutes. Single digit exchange of die. A single digit. A 9, an 8, a 7, a 6, a 5, a 4, a 3, a 2, or a 1. You got a choice here, Shingo-san. Do it in a minute. So, going into our next break and I will tell you the next piece of this exciting story when I come back but I want you to get what I'm talking about is we're harnessing this power Ono was harnessing this power within and in the in the places of of Oklahoma and places where people are of faith they want excellence but they must be led otherwise they'll be compassionate and kind but you will not be giving them the heady experience of experiencing their faith and their belief, their determination, their beauty, their power of themselves, of themselves, and to be contributing to a greater good. This is my great insight from last week. So I'll finish the story when, when we come back. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. And I could hardly wait for you to get back. So, let's continue our exciting story. We're talking about the kinds of things that I learned in my last two trips. We're only going to have to, we're only going to be able to hit three of the four that I had designed for today, but. I believe these are really important to give their due to. We're, going to, we're looking at quick changeover. We're going to be looking at two other things, and, and they'll be connected. And I was just at the point of the story of saying that Shingo managed to bring down at the command, at the command of Taichi Ono, uh, three-day machine changeover to one day, and even one day, to one hour and this took him about three years because the technology the paradigm had not been developed he he Shingo who gave us so much was finding it at the command of his president and CEO Taichi Ono you must command this managers you can't manage this you must lead it and you must make sure that your command is taken seriously and is being done. And we know that's with a single focus, a pilot or demonstration machine or demonstration area. Because as I've said many, many times, the first cycle is for learning. I call it cycle A. Cycle A is for your own learning. You have to crack the code before you can teach others. You have to see what the trouble is. You have to see what stands in your way. You have to see the fogginess of your thinking so that you can help others with their foggy thinking. This is hands-on application in the field, real time, as practical as it could ever be. And Shingo writes to you and me in his SMED book that when... Ono turned and said, okay, we got the hour, now do it in less than 10 minutes. It was the only time in his life that he ever wanted to walk out on his job. He wanted to quit. He was discouraged. He did not see a deep appreciation for what he had accomplished. He only saw that he had to go further and he didn't see it was possible. Because he had been living with that darn machine for two, two and a half years and he knew that he had squeezed as much out of it as he could. And he wanted to celebrate that. He wanted somebody to show him some respect and just, you know, give him a break. But for Ono, respect was to call more deeply upon that capacity that Shingo had, to call more 
deeply on his internal, on Shingo's internal resources. And if you've ever been around a, a sensei, they meet you on that level. Ono was sensei to, to Shingo. Shingo was sensei to me. He required of me as it was required of him. He required of us. But, but on, Shingo was caught because he had accepted Ono as his commander and he was committed to obedience. There was a trust betwe- between them that went beyond a decision. It was a knowing. This is the right place for me. I am now going to change the world because Ono has asked me to. And that obedience, that recognition was deeper than his doubt or his resistance. He shouldered it. And mind you, Ono did not know he was right. He didn't know if it was possible. He just imagined it and he wanted it. And in wanting it, he tested Shingo's, um, what's that, metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, metal. And Shingo demonstrated that he was right. Ono committed to the thinking and the power within Shingo. That is the way he demonstrated respect. He didn't demonstrate respect by being PC. Nowadays, you know, with this whole thing about leaders, though you have no authority, which is one tiny spectrum, one tiny slice of leadership, he would have, you know, been been chastised by HR for being so cruel or by, so for being so uh, rude. Oh, no. Back then, Ono wanted his company to succeed beyond his wildest, wildest dreams. That means he needed to go beyond his dreams into a wild place. And if you will, he believed in the greater glory. Maybe not of God. Maybe only of human potential. Maybe he didn't recognize that was God as God-given. Maybe that was against his faith. But he delivered us of Shingo and Shingo delivered us of single minute exchange of die. He did it in nine minutes. Hmm? Fantastic. And that's what I'm talking about. If you have an aligned workforce, use them. They want to be used. We are like thoroughbreds. We just need the race. We want the taste of speed and wind in our hair. And if you've ever been around thoroughbreds, somebody told me this and actually, I knew it because my father was a handicapper. He, he lost, you know, several college educations for me in his determination to beat the horses. God bless his soul. But I've been around thoroughbreds, the, the horses, and they want to win. The jockey is, you know, kind of icing on the cake there to help him a little bit, give him a little boost. But you don't have to motivate thoroughbreds. They want the race and they want to win. We are like that, if I, if I can make the jump across the species. We want the taste of that. We want the taste of the glory, of the excellence. This is something that you can capitalize on. Don't be afraid that people are fragile. Yes, you have to be polite, especially in the United States where we have such an entitled attitude towards politeness and courtesy. But all of that can come deeply from within and you'll do it the right way. But use it. Use the capacity. You have the cap- that People have the capability or they will if you train them, if you teach them, if you give principles and then they will create 
they will create and invent devices that support your organization that have never been seen on the planet before. That's what I want out of visual, if any of you, you have been around me talking about where visual will go. So apply the principles. Make sure people understand the methodology and drive. Don't look at average change over time. Look at range. What is the lowest? What is the highest? And why is the lowest not? Why is the highest so far away from the lowest? And start squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. The magic and the gremlins in the range. Challenge your assumptions. And most especially in chemical and food processing changeovers in CNC's get yourself a Zoller Z-O-L-L-E-R so you can preset your tools but there's mu- that's just in- that's just external stuff that of course has implications big implications for your internal time Shingo did the work for us because he did get changeover down to single digits and many of you know about C- OTED one touch exchange of dye I saw this myself. Nine changeover, nine machines were changed. This is 1986, Akibono break. Nine machines were changed over in two minutes and ten seconds. All nine machines by one touch exchange of dye. But when we looked again, me and Roger Harnischweger, we saw that the operator was actually making the final piece and changing over as she was making the final piece and so the changeover of nine machines was zero zero and and she was ready for her next model fantastic quick changeover fierce full of knowledge if you hire from someone from the outside they need to be a barracuda leader mostly nice on the outside meaning their external behavior, but always hungry for lunch on the inside. Fierce, full of knowledge, full of know-how. This is not making oatmeal. Go to the YouTube. See what we're doing with with our changeovers in in NASCAR. 4.3 seconds to change over four wheels to bolt them down and the bolts are still spinning as the car runs away, drives away. Less than 12 seconds to refuel, re-lube, and change all the tires. Look at that. And there's a one particular uh, YouTube video that shows you the beautiful borders, the beautiful settings for exactly where the wheels have to stop in order for people to, to uh, make that change over so quickly. Fantastic. I could do a whole show. I guess I am right now on quick changeover, on the visual aspect of quick changeover. Quick changeover is is an individual learning. It is not an initiative for cultural alignment. It is a business transformation event that is based on new knowledge, creating a revolution, applying those principles including, for example, you can apply those principles to your HR processing, to everything that changes over. Okay? So, groom your internal leadership to drive this. If it is not driven, it will not stick. And you, and you, you if you've got 17 machines, you've got the technology d- down, you're going to time every single one of each of the changeovers on each of those machines. Buy yourself 17 big 
big face clocks for $12 each, fix them on the face of the machine, turn the hands up to noon, put the battery in to this clock the instant the machine shuts down after the last good piece and take the battery out when you've made the first good piece after your changeover and you'll have your changeover time and you do this each and every time and it is tracked on the machine the metric is on the machine this is how you get people to do their personal best you can roll it up and track it on your LCD or whatever on your Vorn monitor if you wish of course V-O-R-N-E Mr. Vorn I'm giving you a great big plug but have it individually there where the human has touched it and sees themselves self in it this is fabulous after the break i want to take this discussion and bridge over to the problems of calling continuous improvement this kind of work so i'll see you in a minute it'll be our last section i'll squeeze some other stuff in there as well see you in a minute voice america business network the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. It's Gwendolyn. I have a mere eight minutes, and I need to uh, kind of wrap this up so that you get some more points, some important next points. So, So we were talking about just before the break. Go to YouTube. You can see this happening, the changeover. This, this is exciting. We're all thoroughbreds waiting for the race. Will somebody please schedule one for us? Clock every single changeover. Let it be individualized. You can roll it up into a departmental or uh, plant-wide metric if you want to. But excellence is the outcome. 
And it's the same way I want to encourage you to do something else. I want to encourage you to consider this. This is the second point I wanted to make today. Please consider loving, continuing in your love of continuous improvement, but changing the name to something else. Changing the name to operational excellence, for example. Change your titling. You can do that. One of the most powerful moves you can make, in my opinion and in my experience, is to set aside continuous improvement as the way we name improvement activity, even though continuous improvement is a core element of that improvement, and use the term operational excellence instead. Because when you talk about continuous improvement, you're talking about the process of improving When you're talking about operational excellence, you're talking about the outcome, the destination, the goal. What inspires us to keep continually improving? Excellence is the destination. And instead of calling folks who are very good at continuous improvement CI specialists, let them be excellence specialists or specialists in operational excellence or OPEX specialists. Try it on a limited scale. Always try it first on a pilot basis. And I think you will see it can make a huge difference. Shingo was not engaged in finding small increments of improvement that could maybe hope, hope, hope revolutionize Toyota's business model. He was on fire to change the entire landscape, driven, commanded by Ono. Not just move the furniture around, but change the geography. Please think about this. Please understand I'm not opposed to CI. On the contrary, my life has been dedicated to this through the filter of visual workplace, workplace visuality. But visual excellence is the the destination that I seek at the end of it all. That inspires me. Visual excellence. I know how that factory, I know how that office, I know how that um, uh, uh, chemical plant behaves. I know how it functions when it is visually excellent. And it has within it a lot of continuous improvement, but it also has a very high <clears throat> and compelling, dazzling outcome. Incremental improvement will help, but it is not everything. And without the edge of excellence, cutting up against our brain waves, rubbing up against our heart, CI, continuous improvement, has a tendency to go to sleep and sort of justify itself because, well, you know, who can argue with continuously improving? And that's the problem. So think about it. Just think about it. You don't need to agree with me, but I do hope I irritate you enough for you to think about this. And it's the same way with visual devices, the other part of what I promised to talk about today. I'm saying don't standardize your visual devices too soon. What? But my company, you say, is rooted in standard work and standardization. Why not standardize visuality? visual devices. The danger lies in what I just talked about, about naming things. The goal of continuous improvement is steady incremental improvement. That's an important business and cultural outcome, but it doesn't tell the whole story, and it certainly isn't going to to deliver you into a new business model, a new business future. We must find and question our sacred cows, and those are two of them. Standardize everything and continuously improve. I hope you're understanding me correctly. I have found that second and third generation improvement thinking 
are weak relatives of the parent paradigm, diluted, not diluted, but diluted. You can listen to my two shows on Borg Thinking from last year where I beat a similar drum. One of them is from January the 8th, 2013, and the other one, January the 8th, 2013, and December the 4th, 2013. Hmm. This must be 13. It says 12, but it must be 13. Ah, it's December the 4th, 2012, and then about a month later, January the 8th, 2013. Question everything. Question. And listen to my shows, and you can find them on our website. We have a whole list on standardization. The January 24th, 2012 show on standardization, and a wonderful show on June the 25th, 2013 on standardizing. Don't standardize your addresses too soon. Addresses, imagine. What you want instead is you want a great deal of diversity in applying powerful principles of visuality and you want to see diversity in those expressions. Not the what, but the how. Not what are we looking for, but how is it expressed. And when you get that diversity, you sharpen your eyesight and you attempt to amalgamate a visual best practice because the nature of a vision any best practice is that it's our best today but built into that understanding if you're teaching it correctly and doing it correctly is where can we go from here it is a platform it is very very hard to turn a visual standard a visual device that's been standardized into a platform because we're saying it's good enough If you want visual standards, and there's another show for that. Yeah, that's the January 24th, 2012 show. If you want to standardize visual, standardize on things like address must be seen. This is the standard at four feet away. All addresses on shelves must have an arrow pointing to what the address applies, to to what the address applies. We will follow a standard and robust color code system in our floor borders. Every Here's a good standard for visuals. Every floor border will have an address, whether it's airborne or in the border itself or a standing sign. These are good standards for strengthening visuality. Or my favorite... There will be a border and an address for everything that casts a shadow. How's that for a standard? It's not telling you what this, what the visual looks like, but it is telling you this is our standard, our rule. Do you see the difference? Okay. So I'll pick up uh, Six Sigma, why it is not effective for identifying defects or mistakes. It's an interesting. I'll pick it up at a later show. Next week, I hope to um, complete the um, supervisor part of uh, visual leadership so then we can move to and that can be complete and uh, we'll kind of hobble through uh, shows as, as I can this summer but I hope you find this interesting I had a great time with you today thank you we appreciate your joining us this week for the visual workplace work that makes sense Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galesworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 